You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, Happy New Year for some. Good to see uh, so many faces back and in the church for the new year. How exciting. I saw half of them at the Sydney Festival last night floating around. A few people in there. It was good to see Northside out in force. Hey, uh, look, you may not have come across it. Uh, I only saw it this week. It had only been uploaded for about two days. Um, but it was a YouTube clip of one of our uh, dear Prime Ministers, Bob Hawke, at the SCG at the Indian Test. And uh, Bob, on his way back up from the front rows there, wherever he's going, up to his corporate box with his minders, um, took the offer of uh, an Australian who obviously loved his work and sculled an entire beer in front of all the cameras, uh, much to the cheers of the people around him. Now, whilst I don't condone that sort of irresponsible drinking... um, 363, 977 hits later, that's in two days, uh, this thing has gone around most of Australia. And part of my deep concern and why I'm sharing it with you tonight is that if there were any young school kids that have seen this YouTube clip and they go and wander the halls of the great Parliament House and see those beautiful paintings, you know, the bits of oil with Bob there, They, in front of their classmates, proudly are going to declare to their teacher, see, teacher, there's the man that drank the beer. Uh, Successful, yes. Significant, not really. Uh, Hopefully, for a lot of our young people that may have seen that clip, he's not going to be remembered as the guy that drank the beer, but for some, as the guy that uh, made one of the most... Uh, economically momentous decisions in our country's history when he floated the Australian dollar. Uh, Many will remember him as a great Prime Minister. There's a big difference between how we define success and significance. And that's why I want to walk through this series as we head into a brand new year, because a new year, new beginnings, resolutions, excitement, possibilities, all sorts of things that we're beginning to start to think about for 2012. And this is what I want to ask you tonight. What are you seeking for 2012? Success or significance? The next four weeks, we're going to travel through the book of 1 John. You might not have known that John wrote some other books other than the book of John. And uh, I thought we'd just keep the theme going because we'd been in the book of John in his prologue for about six weeks before Christmas. And tonight we come to a passage that sounds pretty similar to what we'd been reading in 1 John. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and we beheld his glory and the Word became flesh. And we see very similar words in the passage tonight. That's because it's still the same guy and he's, you can use your own material. I do that from time to time. But tonight, what this passage teaches us is that we can source our significance in the things of the world or we can source our significance in a relationship with God. Simple choice that he poses with us tonight from the book of 1 John. We're going to go through every chapter over the next four weeks First uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus, of course. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. 
I, 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 believe that, I believe that we all desire significance, right? We all desire it. No wonder some people upload crazy stuff onto YouTube. Uh, and some people go about it in the most unconventional ways. We see this at uh, one of the... They have these annually, the Darwin Awards. Uh, the chef at a hotel in Switzerland lost his finger in a meat-cutting machine and submitted a claim to his insurance company. So the company, expecting negligence, sent out one of its men to have a look for himself. The guy tries the machine, and he also lost his finger. So the chef's claim was approved. (laughs) Then there was this American teenager who was in hospital recovering from a head wound, and when they asked him how he got the head wound, he said simply that he was just uh, seeing how close he could get his head to a moving train before it hit him. Oh, there was, this guy took the cake um, when his 38 caliber revolver failed to fire at his intended victim during a hold-up in Long Beach, California. The would-be robber James Elliott did something that can only inspire wonder. He peered down the barrel and tried the trigger again. <laughs> and this time it worked. See, what, what I'm getting out of this is you can actually be successful quite easily. That guy was successful at pulling the trigger. It did its intention. These guys were successful. The guy who got his head close to a train was successful in working out how close he could get his head to a train. You can be successful quite easily, but here's the thing. How can you be certain that your success won't land you in this year's episode of the Darwin Awards? He says, difference between success and significance. Success can be easy. Significance, on the other hand, is a little bit more elusive, right? And so we can approach this year in 2012 in one or two ways. We can try and derive our significance from our success or we can live successfully from a position of significance. That's where we're going to go tonight. We can either steal our significance from our success or we can live successfully from a position of significance. You see, my question to you tonight, firstly, are you trying to steal your significance from your success? You see, John the writer here puts it this way, that we can source our significance in either the ways of the world or in the realities of a relationship with God. There are two ways we can go about this. And he puts it like that in chapter 2, verses 5 to 6, which was a continuation of this reading. He says, God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, in the context of what we're saying tonight, John is saying that we all try and steal our identity from various sources in the world around us. We we, we try and steal identities from the world around us, and to do so is a sin. Now, you say, sin? What are you talking about sin so early in the New Year, Sam? Be a bit more positive. But I'm not talking about sin. Often we think of sin as as bad and, 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 and... I'm pure, I'm good, and so sin is just bad things, good things. But, but sin in this context is saying, saying when you build an identity for yourself on anything other than God, when you build a life that's drifting away from God, it's not about good or bad. And so the primary method of this theft that we have often is achievement and success. It's a rock set principle. We get dressed for success, getting it ready for the big times, baby. Um, I, I love... And I love each week when, uh, when I'm getting ready to preach how God often shows me what I've got to preach on and gives me good examples of what's happening. I was catching up with a great friend of mine uh, for lunch this week. I see him about once a year. He lives in Dublin and uh, he works for one of these uh, top tech companies. 
And, uh, and so he would ask him how his year was, and he said it was fantastic. The guy's a strong Christian. He said it was the best year he's ever had. He got promoted. He's now to a department head. He's the youngest guy at his level in the company. And when I asked him how his relationship with God was, uh, he was a little bit more silent on the issue. He said, you know what, Sam, it's made me realize that my, my own successes and my own competence in what I'm doing in my work life has meant that I don't need to rely on him as much anymore. I've become too reliant on the things that I know, my systems and my frameworks. The guy's an MBA graduate, you know, all sorts of great grids and weighted averages and spreadsheets and all sorts of stuff that he can for his decision-making. But he realized in that moment that he'd become too reliant on his own learnings. You see... The potential risk that achievement and success poses to us is that our sense of security and our sense of value and our sense of acceptance now becomes entirely resting on our own wisdom and strength. Not God's, right? John says you can either walk in darkness your own way or you can walk in the light. And that is we, we possibly could be stealing our significance from our success, from the things we do now. I hear you saying, come on, mate, this is a beat up. You're just beating up on people that are successful. Look, I'm not trying to make the distinction to say that God is good and success is a bad thing. In fact, success is not a bad thing. When you look at Joseph in the Old Testament, he was raised up and became one of Egypt's best prime ministers. We have all sorts of incredible, successful Christians in our world at the moment. Andrew Scipioni, the police commissioner, is a Christian. It's not that success is a bad thing. That's not what I'm trying to say here tonight. What I'm trying to say is that the question that you need to ask yourself in 2012 is not, will I be successful? But why do I want to be successful? Are you seeking success in order to just be your own saviour, in order to, to, to stitch up your life? You're secretly saying to yourself, if I worked hard enough, then the bank balance is going to be all right. If I, if I look good enough, then I can be accepted. If I accomplish this, then I can prove it to mom or dad or my friends or maybe even to myself. It's not will I be successful, but why? And because the result is a life characterized by that sort of talk to yourself is going to be a life characterized by fear of failure or a life characterized by pride in past successes or a life of anxiety because you're constantly going to be asking yourself, how can I keep up with all of this? How can I keep doing all of this? Constantly asking yourself that. And, and, and see, if your significance is from your success and your success is an outworking solely of your own efforts, then your significance, what you yearn for most, guys, get this, is being driven by you. If, if, if you're getting your, your, your significance out of your own success and it's your own efforts, then your significance is being driven by you and you're constantly asking yourself, how can I keep this up? Look, there is an order of priority to success and significance that the Bible lays out right throughout its pages from Genesis through to Revelation. I call it the Jenga principle. I don't know if you've played the game Jenga. It's um, this funny block thing. If you're in Gen Y, I'm sorry it's not digital, but it's, uh, it's old school. It's how we used to entertain ourselves. Jenga is this funny block game where you stack up all these blocks and you put them on the coffee table and, and you have to progressively take a block out of the bottom of the Jenga pile and then place it on the top and it becomes ever more increasingly unstable. So what I'm trying to say tonight is when you still your significance out of your success, you're jengering your life. You're taking these very things that should be uh, the foundation of your life and you're turning them upside down. You're elevating these things. You're taking these good things like influence and power and privilege and they're good things if used for God's purposes and you're elevating them to the ultimate position in your life. 
and it's becoming increasingly unstable. You're turning good things into ultimate things and life is becoming unstable when you steal your significance from your success. You see, more than anything else, that significance and that success can get themselves confused in its order of priority and the Bible has set it up. Set it up in this way that don't steal your significance from your success but live successfully out of your significance. Are you with me? You see, you can either derive your significance from your success, like we said, or you can go do it the other way around. And why is Christianity radically different in that sense? See, every other major religion in the world is you're always having to go around trying to get the attention of the gods. Clanging symbols, smoke, bells, whistles, prayers, all sorts of stuff. You're always trying to get the gods' attention. Christianity is radically different because the Bible consistently teaches us that It's not a matter of us trying to get God's attention, but it's actually God trying to get our attention. God paying us attention. And that's what significance is. Significance is to deem something worthy of attention. You can can feel it. And so the gospel in that sense is God, in sending his own son to die for us, went to these incredible lengths in order to be in a relationship with us. That's what John was saying in this passage here tonight. God goes to all these lengths, and it means two things if you can be in a relationship with God. It means that biblical significance is grounded in knowing your purpose and knowing your value. Biblical significance is grounded in knowing your purpose. First up, it's like, I don't know, it's like if you went and took brand new Lavazza, tricked out, double dual boiler, smick as coffee machine, and you began to go and use it as a doorstop. I mean, it would, it would work as a pretty good doorstop, wouldn't it? It would be a fantastic doorstop. It would be an ornamental doorstop, but that's not its intended purpose. It's not what the designer, what the maker had intended for it. And so in that sense, it's being a successful doorstop, but it's not a significant coffee machine. Are you with me? Something that's not being used in accordance with its intended purpose and design. And so what I'm trying to say tonight is a relationship with God, as simple as it means, uh, wherever you're at, whether you're a Christian for all of your life or whether you're even just trying to seek God tonight, a relationship with God means you can know your maker's intended purpose. It can mean that your life tonight doesn't have to be a Lavazza espresso machine sitting at someone's front door. You could be cranking some skinny lattes like you have never known in your life. It's, it's what you were meant for. Let me put it this way. Biblical success is, uh, as a guy called Ron Jensen, Christian guy, big into life coaching, that sort of stuff. He, he, he came up with a definition for success that I've been living with for the past five years or so. And that is, he says, that biblical success is the progressive realization of all you are meant to be and do. Success is the progressive realization of all that you are meant to be and do. I mean, if I thought success in my life was being a professional basketballer, for those on the podcast, my whopping five and a half feet of height probably wouldn't give me the best chances of success. If I look at it objectively, that's probably not what God is is meant for me to be and do. What is it for your life? When you move into a relationship with God, you move into a relationship with your maker and your designer and you begin to read through his manual and and get his guidance through his Holy Spirit, you can know God and in knowing God discover the purposes for which you were created. But also biblical significance is grounded in knowing your value. It's grounded in knowing how much you are worth, how how precious you are. My 
Uncle Bruce. I love my Uncle Bruce. He's a bit of an eccentric guy. Um, but he, uh, my Uncle Bruce, when he uh, went into an elevator, speaking of Bob Hawke, bumps into the man himself. He wasn't sculling a beer at the time. He was just hanging out there at, uh, in the elevator. And, and my, my Uncle Bruce bumps into Bob Hawke. And I'm thinking, what do you say to a man like that? My, uncle's, my uncle, as soon as he gets up to him, he says, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, would you mind just asking me, aren't you Bruce Haddon? And I was a kid at the time thinking, that's stupid, Uncle Bruce. You could have asked him so much. You could have asked him what he was thinking when he floated the Australian dollar or something like that. But, um, but then he said no. It meant that every time I told that story, he said I could go to people and said, hey, you know what? I met Bob Hawke in an elevator once. The first thing he said to me was, hey, aren't you Bruce Haddon? <laughs> we desire significance. And if significance is to desire to be worthy of attention, then it's one thing to gain the attention of someone unimportant. But to have the attention and the recommendation of someone who's ultimately important, isn't that a whole other thing? Hey, aren't you Bruce Haddon? I call it the gospel according to Twitter. Now, I'm... I'm not much of a Twitter user. I was feeling a bit inadequate the other day. I've seen some other pastors. One pastor has 4,333 tweets. I've got about 25. So uh, if you want to follow me, it's not going to be the most exciting thing on Twitter, at Sam Haddon. It's all there. But, um, <laughs> but I'm not a Twitter user. But then when I see people who are using Twitter, apparently part of the deal with Twitter, even though I only get to use 100 and 26 characters or whatever to say, hey, I'm going to the bathroom. If people want to know, I'm going to the bathroom. But um, apparently the deal is you try, and, you try and come up with the catchiest phrase so people will retweet you. And, and again, it's the same sort of concept. You can follow all sorts of celebrities. You can follow Brad Pitt. If you're Christian, you could follow John Maxwell, who's the Brad Pitt of the Christian world. And um, you, you can follow all these incredible people on Twitter. And, and, and the most amazing thing apparently that could ever happen to you is if that incredible person retweets you. If they see your lowly 165 character, I've got to go to the bathroom tweet and somehow thinks that's, ca- that's catchy and retweets that on to the 165,553 users that follow them on Twitter. To be retweeted is the ultimate thing. Where am I getting at? Look, did- what was Jesus doing at the cross? The gospel, Jesus was retweeting us. You see, if God ever owned a Twitter account, he'd sort of be a bit like Rupert Murdoch. He would be quite elusive on Twitter and not use it all that much. Um, but I believe that God would only have one person that he would ever listen to as far as the Twitter sphere is concerned, and that is at Jesus Christ. What happens at the cross is when Jesus takes on our life and our record, he takes that on and from his account, he retweets that to the Father. And God looks at Jesus' profile and says, if Jesus, the ultimate of the, as far as the profiles are concerned in my life, if, if Jesus retweets a Michael or a Kieran or a Brad or a Sam, if Jesus has retweeted him, then, wow, that's got to be significant. It's one thing to gain the attention of someone unimportant, but to have the recommendation of one who is important is the ultimate. You know, Jesus Christ, when you place your trust in him, recommends you, the ultimate person, recommends you to the Father and says, he is acceptable on my account. And God accepts us in that way. You can know your value. That's how valuable you are to the Father. You don't have to go around making noise trying to get the attention of the God. God wants your attention tonight. 
He wants you to move into relationship with him tonight. And my question is, are you applying the gospel to every aspect of, the, of, of your life? Are you, are you thinking through the implications of that gospel that you know, John's talking about, that we're sinners, and yes, we're sinners, but it doesn't mean good or bad. It just means people that have drifted away from God, trying to run their own life. And as Luther says, we are simul justus et peccator. We are simultaneously more sinful than we dare imagine, but at the same time more loved than we dare believe. It's important we get the gospel, guys, because outside of the gospel, you will always steal acceptance and significance from other sources. You'll always go around the career and the friends until you get something at the very center of you, a center of gravity, something deep within you, an affirmation, a significance deep within you that, that extends far beyond anything else around you. When you walk out into your, your work week, you will always be stealing it from other sources. And the gospel is the most affirming thing in the world. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See what that's saying in, in light of the passage tonight? <laughs> Not whilst we were bad, bad boys and girls, but whilst we we're off stealing our significance from other things, Jesus, God, was trying to get your attention. To be grounded in a relationship with God, guys, is to be sourced in a significance that is unchanging, unfading, unfadeable, sustainable. We know, it means we no longer have to keep stealing it from everything else around us. But we live our lives successfully out of the significance that we see that we have garnered the attention of the most attention-worthy person in the universe, Jesus Christ himself. Are you living that truth tonight? That critical truth John is trying to convey in this passage and he does that. He says, God felt you so worthy of attention that he became human in order to be in a relationship with you. It gives you purpose. It gives you worth. Guys, don't live a life that is an espresso machine at the front door. And can you be absolutely confident that when you go into that elevator, the ultimate elevator up into the sky or wherever it might be, that when you see, not the prime minister, but God himself, that the first words out of your, out of his mouth, well, hey, it will be, hey, aren't, Aren't you one of those ones that's in Jesus Christ? Is it true of your life tonight? You can, you can step into that tonight. You can own that significance tonight. You can have that wellspring within you that is going to mean all the other different things are going to distract you in 2012 are simply going to fade off into the distance. Have you got that this evening? If you want to talk to one of the ministry team, you just need to accept Jesus Christ into your life tonight. We're going to have a time for that later on. But guys, I, I just want to start simple. What are you desiring for 2012? Success, significance. We come at a point where we'll be thinking about all sorts of decisions this year, all sorts of distractions this year. God wants you to understand your worth. God wants to understand your purpose. God wants to, and I believe in this place, he wants to build people that are successful, that are influencers, that are impacting our city and our world in ways for the kingdom of God that we can't imagine. I believe God wants us to be there. But he doesn't want our success to take us to a place where our character can't sustain us. That's why we're going to go through the book of 1 John, what it means to live the Christian life, what it means to know the difference between success and significance for the first four weeks of this brand new year. I pray that he might speak to you in profound ways. I pray that he might begin to change you from the inside out. I pray that if you're just coming and checking it all out, that you might seriously consider what it means to follow Jesus Christ this year. It uh, may not guarantee success, but it will guarantee significance. It's available to you tonight in him. Let's pray.